Welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg. With your host, psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, Living Well with Dr. Peg explores a variety of mental health, wellness, and safety topics. Brought to you by SSI Guardian, Living Well with Dr. Peg shares effective and practical psychological strategies based on biblical principles for living well. To learn more about the show or Dr. Peg's mental health consulting and publishing services, visit drpegradio.com. And now, here's your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. The following program is sponsored by Living Hope Baptist Church. The following pre-recorded program is paid for by SSI Guardian. Hello listeners, I'm psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark and welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg, coming to you from beautiful Denver, Colorado. The show is brought to you each week by our sponsor, SSI Guardian, who has set the new standard in advanced safety education. SSI Guardian provides evidence-based advanced training and solutions to learning institutions and faith-based and professional organizations. Well, I hope you had a chance to listen to last week's episode with Craig Hill and was on the importance of providing a parent's blessing for your children and how it causes them to prosper in every area of their lives. But if you missed last week's episode or really any episode of Living Well with Dr. Pegg, be sure to go to my website, drpegradio.com. That's D-R-P-E-G radio.com. A parent's blessing is given while you're still alive and can alter the course of your children's lives. But if you're like most people, you also want to make sure that all of your loved ones, not just your children, are blessed and well taken care of even after you're gone. And as parents, we all want the next generation to do better than the previous generation. Well, to help us take some practical steps in estate planning, blessing the next generation, and creating a family legacy, in the studio with me today is Michelle Adams. And Michelle is founder and CEO of the Legacy Project and an estate planning attorney who coaches and advises parents and individuals of all ages. Michelle Adams, thank you for being with us today, and welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, you wear at least two hats, from what I understand, and maybe more, because I know you're a wife and a mother as well. Yes. But professionally, you're an estate planning attorney and a family legacy advisor or a family legacy coach, and you'll kind of talk to us about which you prefer and what the difference is. But let's look at each one of these um, separately. Uh, First, Talk about uh, what a family legacy advisor is and how did you even get interested in that? I've never heard of that job title before. It's my own made up job title. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) And what led me down that path, being an estate planning attorney, there's always a need to talk with people, obviously, about the documents and other things they need to get into place. But what I realize is that oftentimes they come to the table with more than that. Mm-hmm. And so it's more than just simply I need X document or Y document, but can you help me in other areas? There's some people who own businesses, mm-hmm. so they might need some support along that line. There are other people who are more charitable-minded, and they want to leave a, a legacy or uh, monies to a particular organization. So I'll help them along that route as well. 
So I didn't want to limit myself to just an estate planning Mm -hmm. attorney. I really feel that I come into that family's life at a particular point, and whatever resources, whatever knowledge, whatever skills I can share with them, I like to put it under that umbrella of this legacy advisor or legacy coach. Excellent. I love that. Uh, Now, talk about some of the things that are being passed on other than just money. And you talked about someone who might be a business owner or they want to leave money to a charity um, or especially their own personal family members. Mm -hmm. But is it about more than just money? Absolutely. So often we get caught up in the sense that, oh, I need to, you know, lay out this wealth plan for my loved ones. And yes, that's important. If you can do that, we absolutely want you to have a plan for that. The other piece, though, that I think is even more important is what values do you want to leave to that next generation? I wrote recently about the concept of an ethical will, which comes from biblical times. In fact, the Hebrews do it, or the Jewish people do this a lot as well, where they'll leave a letter of sorts, and it's not a legal document per se, but it is a heartfelt document that shares with friends, families, loved ones, exactly what it is their life was about and how they want to be remembered and lessons that that next generation can use to perhaps help them on their path. And I believe one of the greatest gifts that we can give is the gift of our voice, our life lessons, Mm -hmm. our experiences that we can share so that we can make the road a little bit easier for the next generation. Now, of course, the challenge is they may not always follow what Mm -hmm. we say. Sure, of course. Yes. Free free will. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, we're at least providing a roadmap. Better to do that than to do nothing at all. Mm -hmm. And I believe once before I had shared my grandmother, she was an amazing cook, but in particular baking. And I remember just wanting to capture her recipe for pancakes because that was my favorite. And um, she was she was dying. So she was going through the transition. But she was able to give me the bare bones recipe for her pancakes. And and for me, that was a piece of her legacy. Mm -hmm. That was a piece of what I remember and what brings me so much joy. Right. So some of those intangible assets. Mm -hmm. I I have a lot of recipes from my mom. My Mm -hmm. mom's from Guyana. South America, and so there's a lot of Caribbean um, uh, influences, Indian influences in in the recipes. And uh, I called my mother one day when I was a young adult for the first time living on my own and kind of craving some of those recipes I grew up on. And I called her on the phone, and she told me the ingredients, but she really couldn't tell me measurements. (laughs) And she was saying, well, put this in, put that in, taste it until it tastes right or looks this color. Mm -hmm. And so it made me realize how important it would have been to have uh, stood next to her in the kitchen while she was making it. So even though she couldn't tell me it's a teaspoon of this or a cup of that, I could have observed that. And so is is there a place for... In the in that type of legacy, it kind of uh, paves the road for a conversation and an interaction with that person if they are still with us. Yes, absolutely. And it's funny. I just have to add. So my grandparents were Jamaican. Yeah. And same thing. Yeah. They would not give the exact recipe, but a pinch of this and <laughs> okay. a toss that in. But to follow up to that piece, 
Absolutely. We have to uh, look beyond the uh, that that need to we have to go and go forward and try to get as much information as we can. You talked about conversations. What I was thinking is that we're now in family reunion season. Mm -hmm. And so what better time to get information from our loved Mm. ones because we have a captive audience. And so often they want to know, well, what are you up to? What are you doing? And that's great to share. But even more importantly, get those stories from Mm -hmm. those seniors, from those elders. My reunion will be coming up pretty soon. I won't be able to go, but I have already started laying that seed of talking to my parents and some of the other seniors in our family and finding out their story. Because what I know is that if we have a bit of a story, sometimes we try to add in things and the story gets a little colorized (laughs) and it no longer becomes the truth, but our own version of it. And so if we can capture in their words while their minds are still lucid, alert and aware, that's, oh, such a precious thing to be Absolutely, able to pass on. Absolutely, yes. And, I mean, we all have our cell phones with us constantly. And maybe instead of all those selfies, we can turn the camera the other way and even press record Absolutely. Uh, and make a video of, a, of an elderly relative or grandparent sharing a recipe or sharing mm-hmm. a childhood story. And not only are, are they able to pass on those values, but we're able to capture that and have it and preserve it for our children and our children's children, perhaps. Yes, yes. And to have a video of your loved one talking in their own words and, you know, whether they're from the Caribbean or another mm-hmm. country to hear the inflection mm-hmm. of the voice and the tone. I would pay anything to be able to hear my grandparents' yeah, voice again. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, let's talk a little bit about that other hat, the estate planning side, and, and we'll we'll talk about those documents, the specific documents that you mentioned as we uh, move through the program today. Uh, and, and in my experience, there's some overlap uh, with a financial advisor, perhaps, in terms of estate planning. Uh, and in my experience with my financial planner, uh, I find that it's sometimes hard to separate separate out my past experiences, my emotions, uh, my hang-ups, and sometimes I end up talking to my financial advisor like she's a therapist, and I have to catch myself, um, and we have a good rapport, and and we've become friends, Uh, but I imagine it might be similar with the estate planning process, and then you're an attorney on top of that, so we know we have privilege and confidentiality when we talk to you. Do you sometimes feel like a therapist in your role as a estate planner? All the time. (laughs) And I will joke with my clients, okay, I do marriage counseling also because inevitably there will be a discussion of, well, I don't think I want to do that. And the other person is saying, but I thought we talked about this. And you have to have put on a mediator hat as well Mm -hmm. to help them navigate and negotiate through some of those differences. And it's it's entertaining to some extent, but what I always remind clients, because they think it's just me, um, my family is the only one, I mm-hmm. said all families have some level of dysfunction. And so please don't think that you, I haven't heard this before. It's completely fine. I'm not embarrassed. Please, you don't be embarrassed. And it is therapeutic for yes. them to share information with a neutral third party. Mm-hmm. I always remind people about a, a cartoon that was drawn by Jennifer Berman. And it's this huge auditorium, and there's a banner over the auditorium that says, uh, Conference for Adult Children of Normal Parents. And you look in the auditorium, and there's like two people in there. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and so how many of us really have normal parents? I know my children can say they have Absolutely. a very normal, functional mother. That's right. But everybody else, you know, my kids would be the only two in that big auditorium. So uh, you're bringing up some good uh 
points here is that you're talking either with married couples, you might be talking with someone who's going through a divorce or may have already divorced, you might be talking with someone who's single, uh, someone who is elderly, someone who owns a business, someone who uh, maybe has uh, the nature of their work, there's a lot of confidential documents that they have to maintain and, and be mindful of. Uh, what exactly does it mean when we say uh, someone has an estate or you're planning an estate? What does that word even mean? I, I go to estate sales right. and I get very excited because <laughs> I can buy all kinds of stuff real cheap. But what really is an estate? So, you know, it's interesting, too, because when we use that word estate, so often people think of this really grand affair. So you have to live in the big house on the hill or you have to have money like Bill Gates or Oprah or someone along those lines. And what I have to remind people or I try to get away from that language of your estate and focus on your legacy mm-hmm. because people can wrap their head around me having a legacy. But bottom line, an estate is your worldly possessions. So how are you going to dispose of the possessions that you own? Okay. So the estate itself are the tangible material items, but you're looking at a broader picture of our legacy, talking about those hopes and ideals and values that we all want to pass on to the next generation. That's exactly it. Excellent. Well, listeners, this is Living Well with Dr. Peg. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and my guest live in the studio today with me is Michelle Adams, estate planning attorney and family legacy advisor. When we come back, Michelle will share some practical strategies for building your family's legacy. But first, here's a word from our sponsor, SSI Guardian. Don't go away. One needs to look no further than today's headlines to understand the threats facing American schools. They remain soft targets for violent threats, and yet our schools go largely underprepared. Our children deserve the highest level of education in the safest learning environment possible. The SSI Guardian QAL, or Quick Action Lockdown, is the fastest and safest way to lock down a classroom. This revolutionary device provides schools with maximum locking protection while meeting all safety, fire, and building codes. Designed by the leading lock experts in the world, the QAL is the only lock that meets Department of Homeland Security primer recommendations. SSI Guardian QAL now makes classroom lockdowns fast and safe with the red button. As a parent, you have every right to demand that your child is afforded the best classroom protection. Take action today by calling SSI Guardian at 877-878-5800 or go to guardianprotect.com. That's guardianprotect.com. To learn more about living well with Dr. Peg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Welcome back, everyone. I'm psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and you're listening to Living Well with Dr. Peg. We're talking with estate planning attorney and family legacy advisor, Michelle Adams. And you can reach the law office of Michelle Adams at coloradofamilylegacy.com. Michelle Adams, thank you again for being with us. Thank you. So our estate is our worldly possessions, uh, our material things. Is there anything else that, that you'd also want to include in that? Yeah, I would also like for people to consider their pets because mm-hmm. so often our pets are part of our family, but we forget to plan for them in the event of our death or disability. And I know so many pet owners would not want their loved ones, their animals to have to go to a shelter mm-hmm. where they don't know what's going to happen. So I would definitely include pets under that umbrella of our estate. Yes, and especially for those people who consider their pets their children, yeah. they might take a, 
take offense to saying part of their worldly possessions, and they may want to include it when we talk about finding guardians for your children, and we'll talk about that in a later segment. Good deal. All right. And so in terms of um, family legacy planning, um, it's this big picture of not only your material possessions and your pets, but also values and hopes and ideals. And so when we think about our estate, uh, you talked about thinking about, you know, this big uh, mansion or something. So estate planning isn't just for wealthy people. Uh, it doesn't matter our income level or our financial worth. Exactly. So so often people think, well, I don't even have a lot of money. I don't have material or worldly possessions. I don't need to do estate planning. And my response to that is there's already an estate plan in place. It's either one that you're proactively putting together or it's one that the state of wherever you live, so let's just say the state of Colorado, will plan for you. Mm. So it's a matter of how proactive you want to be because that plan that the state of Colorado has for you may not be the plan that you want. Okay. Yes. Okay, good. Well, many people think if they don't think about it or talk about it, they won't die. (laughs) (laughs) Go figure. But that's a that's a myth, right? We, yes. we can. It's the same kind of thing with um, as a psychologist. People think if I ask you about suicide, that'll put the idea in your head. Yeah. Uh, but in fact, that's exactly the thing to do. If you suspect someone's suicidal, you absolutely should ask them directly. Are you thinking about harming yourself or killing yourself? Uh, and not talking about it doesn't make it go away. It would be the same with estate planning and death, right? Absolutely. Because one thing we're sure of is that none of us are leaving this earthly realm the way that we came. We're all going to die. It's just the natural passage of life. And so I get it. I understand why people want to take a head in the sand approach to planning, because like you mentioned, if I don't think about it, then it won't happen. And we have to be smart and use wisdom about this as well, because if we choose that as our plan, then everything is going to be left in chaos when it's our time to transition. And it's unfair for our loved ones to have to clean up the mess behind us. Mm -hmm. So it's prudent upon all of us, no matter how much you do have or how much you don't have, (laughs) that we have a plan that's in place. Right. Because even if you don't have a lot, and that might be a myth that I'm too broke to have an estate plan, Mm -hmm. Um, even if you don't have a lot, what you do have, you might have some particular feelings about where that those assets should be distributed or where your um, your grandmother's necklace that was passed on to you or your pet, as you mentioned. So you may not have a lot, but you may have some strong feelings and preferences about who receives your possessions. Absolutely. And then even beyond that, supposing you get sick, you want to have someone in place who will make those decisions mm-hmm. for you. Because if you don't, and then people are fussing over, well, I want to make the decision or she wanted this, then that's going to go to court and you're going to spend or someone's going to spend a whole lot of money. And the person who's appointed to act on your behalf, maybe not the person you want to to be in that role. So it goes beyond even our tangible possessions, but also our health. Supposing you don't want to be kept alive on a respirator or some other type of machine, you get to make those choices. But if you haven't made a plan for it, then no one will know and someone else will make the decision Mm -hmm. for you. Yeah, absolutely. And not only might you have to go to court, but there will be conflict amongst family members and loved ones, which that that I think is even worse than having to go to court is, is the aftermath of that. That's right. And sometimes those relationships are irreparable. And why would you want to create or add that uh, dysfunction into the family during a time of crisis when we really do need to come together and act as one and operate as one? Right. Absolutely. 
another myth might be I'm too young mm-hmm. to think about this, maybe kind of related to if I don't think about death, I won't die. But, okay, I'm going to think about death, but that's so far off. I'm too young to yes. worry about an estate plan or even a legacy. Is that a myth? It's completely a myth. So once you turn 18, you're an adult in the eyes of the law. There are things that you can't do, but one of the things that you can do is plan out your, your, your documents. And I always encourage parents to think about that. And it's so hard, I understand, that to think your child is now an adult and they get to make their own choices, but they need to have their options laid out because as the parent, you no longer have access to their medical records. You have to get permission from them to be able to view that. And a lot of parents don't recognize that or realize it. Yeah. Okay. Well, what are there any other common fears or, or barriers that you have encountered in your experience that keep people from estate planning? Yeah. Well, one is the fear factor. As you mentioned, if I talk about it, it'll bring death on. The other piece, I believe, is the cost factor. So, so often people think, well, because I don't have a lot, I don't want to spend anything, you know, to, to plan out what these documents should be. And it runs the gamut. Now, you could go someplace really inexpensive, meaning pull something offline and do your forms that way. I would prefer that than nothing at mm-hmm, all. Mm-hmm. Or you could come to someone like myself who will work with you, advise you as to what your options are. And I would not let cost or the fear of how much it costs become a barrier to you. My parents will kill me, but I'll say this. They're both in their 70s, and we've been talking about getting their estate plan in place forever, and they finally went ahead and did it. And I will say that it has become such a weight lifted Mm -hmm. off of their shoulders. My mom called me, and she was just super excited that she finally took the step to make Mm -hmm. that happen. So important. Yes. That's good. And so being concerned about uh, the cost of – of of uh, hiring a professional, it might end up costing you more in the long run not to. Yes. And I tell a clients this is that you either pay on the front end or you pay on the back end. Mm-hmm. And some clients, they think, well, I'm dead, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> and others are really trying to be intentional right. about not leaving that headache for their loved ones at the end. So Mm -hmm. they take the time to do the planning now. Yes, that's right. And again, anyone who's legacy-minded, who would even be interested in partnering with someone like you, who that's a a core philosophy of how you practice law, Mm -hmm. hopefully those people would weed themselves out where you could re-educate them and persuade them why it is important to to handle it on the front end. Self-selection, That's right, that's right. (laughs) Well, I imagine procrastination is also something that you see in different forms, and I think procrastination is something that gets in the way of every important activity that Mm -hmm. we as human beings have to do. Not just estate planning. I know when, when my children were still in college, just filling out the FAFSA, the financial, federal financial aid form every year. Yes. Because it's, uh, you have to first have your taxes filed yes. to fill out the FAFSA <laughs> and everyone procrastinates on taxes. taxes. So it just becomes this huge, like you said, a burden mm-hmm. on your shoulders, this weight on you. And so we just keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. Do you have any strategies that you recommend when you see that happening? Like with yes. your parents, what can you say to someone to kind of help them overcome that procrastination? Baby steps. Oh, so okay, good, good. <laughs> you could be a psychologist. Yes. That's why they call lawyers counselors, <laughs> right? Yeah. 
So if we take this huge or what seems like this huge ginormous task and break it down into smaller steps, then the task can seem a lot easier. So one baby step could be to think about one aspect. So you mentioned uh, parents who might have young children. Think about who you would potentially want as a guardian. Don't worry about filling out the paperwork yet. Just identify some possible individuals. There have been some funny episodes of different television shows where the individuals have been kind of scouting out or vetting prospects for their guardianship. And uh, that's a great place to start. One other thing to consider is to start mapping out where you hold your accounts so that And I have spreadsheets that people can uh, look at where they just start listing out, okay, I have an account at Bank One. I have a retirement fund at Institution A. I have um, a safe deposit box at this particular location. So at least you're providing some guidance and, in a sense, a checklist for someone else to be able to refer to at another time. We're not saying, you know, go forth and start putting a will together, but at least start mapping out where you hold your assets. Mm -hmm. And if I have a to-do list that's tiny steps, I can feel that sense of accomplishment as I'm checking off those boxes. And once all of those tiny baby steps are completed, Mm -hmm. that rolls me right into the template for the estate planning. That's exactly it. Very good. Well, I I wrote a book called Do Something Different for a Change. And I we have know, a copy. Oh, all right. <laughs> and we know that uh, most people say they want something different, but they just fail to do something different. Yes. Uh, they want change, but they fail to make those necessary changes because change is hard. Uh. It's scary and it comes at a cost. And those principles are relevant with estate planning, with legacy uh, planning, with yeah. doing the FAFSA, filing That's your right. taxes. It's just some some uh, maybe it's part of our sin nature, our mm. human nature. Yes. Uh, but we do have practical strategies that we can use. Uh, you can read the book and gain some strategies. You can speak with um, a estate planning attorney yes. like Michelle Adams <laughs> who can help you with those things. So don't don't be stuck uh, procrastinating and being afraid of uh, if I plan, if I talk about this, if I think it's going to make me die. That's right. Uh, don't don't think that you don't have enough resources to worry about planning or even the resources to pay to get it done properly. Mm-hmm. Just take that first small step. Have the conversation. And one thing I'll share is that my clients have always told me, you made this process fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you were, I know. <laughs> wow. Exactly. <laughs> you're good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, listeners, you're talking, listening to Michelle Adams. She's an estate planning attorney and family legacy advisor. Uh, This is Living Well with Dr. Pegg. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. And Living Well with Dr. Pegg is brought to you by our sponsor, SSI Guardian, who has set the new standard in advanced safety education. To learn more about SSI or learn more about the Living Well with Dr. Pegg show or listen to previous episodes, go to drpegradio.com. When we come back, you'll hear more from Michelle With SRN News, I'm Ron DeRockstra. Belgium's prime minister says, quote, preliminary indications suggest today's attack outside a police station was an act of terrorism, but that authorities are still collecting information. Two female officers were wounded by a man wielding a machete and shouting, Alu Akbar, the attacker was shot dead. Dozens of people gathered on Chicago's southwest side to protect uh, protest police brutality in the latest killing of a black 18-year-old by the city's police force. Nine videos from police dash cams and body cameras were released yesterday in what police or superintendent says is the beginning of a more transparent process in the city. There's been a scare at the Olympic Equestrian Center in Rio as a military bullet pierced the roof of the media tent and landed on the floor. No one was hurt. The arena is located near a military compound. 
and the competition outside the dressage was not disrupted. This is SRN News. Hello, this is Pastor Jeff, and I consider it a privilege to preach the Word of God to you every day on the radio. But I would like to invite you to personally come and worship the Lord with us. Harvest Bible Chapel is now conveniently located in two different locations. Our Inglewood campus is just a mile west of I-25 in Hamden. Currently, we meet in Inglewood Saturday nights at 5 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. We now also have a Broomfield campus that is located at 3400 Industrial Lane right off the Boulder Turnpike. Our Broomfield campus meets every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Whether you are new to the faith, checking things out, or a seasoned disciple, we invite you to come and worship the Lord with us. For more information about any of our ministries or locations, please visit our website at www.harvestdenver.org. Again, that's harvestdenver.org. I'm looking forward to worshiping the Lord with you soon. You are loved. Hey, it's Hugh Hewitt. The best conservative conference of them all has finally made its way to Colorado. This is Hugh Hewitt, and I'm looking forward to the 2016 Red State Gathering at the Grand Hyatt Hotel in Denver, August 12th through 14th. It's a weekend packed with all-star speakers, fun-filled receptions, hundreds of patriotic friends, just 90 days before the election. Speakers include Rick Perry, Colorado Congressman Ken Buck will be there, along with some of your favorites from 710 KNUS, including Peter Boyles, Town Hall's Katie Pavlik, and Guy Benson, Hot Air's Ed Morrissey. We've also invited South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, Senator Ted Cruz, among other elected officials. We expect to hear from them soon. Attendees at this year's Red State Gathering will be able to participate in activism training, learn the latest issue updates from the program tracks on criminal justice reform and crony capitalism. Seats are going quickly, so reserve your spot today. Use discount code DENVER to save $50 off registration. The 8th Annual Red State Gathering, brought to you by U.S. Law Shield Firearms Legal Defense Program. Online at uslawshield.com. Baseball action, one game being... To learn more about living well with Dr. Pegg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Welcome back, everyone. I'm psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and you're listening to Living Well with Dr. Peg. And we're talking with Michelle Adams, estate planning attorney and family legacy advisor. Visit coloradofamilylegacy.com to learn more about the law office of Michelle Adams. And so um, let's talk about the five documents that need to be in place before we die. You, you alluded to the documents that are involved, kind of the nuts and bolts of estate planning. So what are those five documents? Yes. Well, starting off first with the will. And the will is that document that takes care of identifying who you want to serve as your personal representative. Some people might look at it as their executor. We call it personal representative. And that's the individual who at death will put together the estate, any bills that are owed, anything that needs to be paid out or received. That individual will make sure that the estate is settled. Additionally, that's the place to name a guardian for your minor children. So parents would name individuals because the courts don't want to have to take over that responsibility. So that's important for parents to do. And then also, if you have instructions as to your property, so if you want your spouse to receive all of the property or if you want a a friend or another loved one to receive it in the will, that's where you would outline those those items. 
The next document would be the financial power of attorney. And that document gives someone else the ability to make financial decisions on your behalf if you're not able to. So why wouldn't you be able to? Well, maybe you're away somewhere. So you're out of the country and you're just not able to transact business on your behalf. Or it could be in the case where you're no longer physically or mentally capable of 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 doing this work. And so you want someone to step in as opposed to having the court appoint someone on your behalf. So the financial power of attorney will identify that individual. Then you have your medical power of attorney. Same concept. You have someone making medical choices on your behalf. So again, Usually it's in a situation where you are mentally not able, supposing you're in a coma or you're otherwise incapacitated, you have someone who's able to make decisions for you, not necessarily life or death decisions. That comes in with the living will. So the living will would be that fourth document. The living will outlines what your preferences are as it relates to end-of-life treatment. So do you want to be kept on a respirator? Do you want to have um, high water and food coming through your veins so that you can you know, live a little bit longer? Uh, do you want to be resuscitated if you should go into cardiac arrest or some other uh, physical condition? You can also indicate your don- donation preferences. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we have it on our license, but you can also indicate that in that document as well. And the best thing about that is you are taking the stress away from someone else to have to make those decisions for you. Can you imagine you're in a, in a hospital, you, the doctors are saying, we don't know, it can go either way, or this person, the likelihood that they're going to survive what do you want to do, family member? And that family member is now placed in a very, very difficult position of making a life or death decision. And again, when we talk about family conflict, that's a, a place where it will definitely arise. One person will feel one way, someone else will feel differently. So the living will will help to, to make those decisions easier. And then finally, the HIPAA release. The HIPAA release will allow the person you've selected to be your medical power of attorney to have access to your medical records. HIPAA, being a federal law, says that your medical records are your own business and that they should not be shared with a third party. Having that release provides the medical professionals with the ability to legally share that information with someone else. Mm -hmm. It sounds like we could probably do a show on each of those documents, yes. <laughs> but I want to talk a little bit about that living will, okay. because I think uh, it brings up a lot of the conflict and emotional um, angst that's why it is so important to have your state planned in advance. And certainly the will, people fight over uh, possessions or jewelry or things that you know, mom promised I could have that. Well, she told me I could have That's it. She right. told me I was her favorite. No, she told me I was her favorite. <laughs> and so I think it, the stakes are higher with the living will. You, you might have had a conversation. Like I've had this conversation with my husband and my children. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to be kept alive if I'm in a coma for, for months and months. Just pull the plug on me. Yeah. So that's a conversation mm-hmm. that, we already know that um, perception is reality. 
someone you may intend to communicate something, but it's not received in the way you intended it. There's interpretation, memories fade, emotions play a role. Uh, guilt and wanting to hold on, yes. even though I clearly had this conversation with you. So if it's not in writing, that's a place that really could be uh, 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 ripe, ripe for, for issues, for Absol- conflict. Absolutely. And prime example is uh, Bobby Christina, so the mm. daughter of Bobby and Whitney Houston. And when we talked about some of the myths about planning, mm-hmm. here she was 20 years old. Of course, in her mind, she's not thinking, I need to get my estate wow. planning documents in place. And she had just place. inherited hundreds of millions from her mom, exactly. who I assumed had her documents in place. Her mom had her documents yeah. in place. Uh, daughter did not. Mm. So here she is in a situation now where she's in this medically induced coma. She's 20 years old. You have a father who is distraught about what's happening. And who's then, an ex-husband. Who's an ex-husband. <laughs> to the one who gave her all that money. Exactly. Yeah. And I know that they kept her alive on those respirators probably far longer than what most medical professionals would have said is a good thing. And it was primarily, in my opinion, I don't know the the Brown Houston family, but in my opinion, it was because they were one holding out hope that she would come out of it. But additionally, for a parent to have to make that decision of pulling the plug on their child. Who's an adult. Who's who's an adult. adult. Exactly. And I can only imagine how potentially some members of the family said it's time to let her go. And others said, no, we're going to hold on a little bit longer. So Mm. had there been documents in place or a conversation, as you mentioned, then at least they would have some guidance as to how to move forward. Mm -hmm. Wow. I mean, just you painting that picture because we all watched that scenario we were all devastated enough when Whitney Houston passed suddenly right. unexpectedly and then to know that her own daughter at such a young age yes. had kind of went down that same path mm-hmm. and to to imagine have you paint that picture of not only just the devastation of a parent having to make those decisions but just having perhaps no guidance in writing to, exactly. to facilitate that exactly wow yeah well I I appreciate my dad all the more he passed away several years ago and when I tell you he had everything organized and mm-hmm. in, in all in one place in this old leather briefcase that as long as I can remember from a little girl, he always kept his documents and his bills in that briefcase. Yeah. Uh, he didn't have a laptop and all of that. That was before his time. And um, he always told us everything's in there. And sure enough, we opened that briefcase. Everything was in there from a brochure from the funeral home. Wow. He had his funeral prepaid. He oh. had a living will. He had a will. He had all his documents up to date, all his insurance policies. And he was not a wealthy man. He worked hard his life and, and managed his money and, and had savings and all that. Uh, but he was, he just, it really, as sad as it was, the circumstances, I couldn't imagine how much worse it could have been had all of that been. Uh, not not set disarray. up like that. Yeah. And talk about that gift that mm-hmm. he left you because you knew is. exactly where to go. It really is. It's a gift and a legacy. That's you right. Know, that it's an example of organization and planning and how he managed his money with very little information and professional 
uh, uh, advice and yeah. guidance, yeah. he had things in order. Mm-hmm. And he did hire a, 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 an estate attorney. Okay. And so we talked a little bit about some of those DIY options versus my dad just paid this guy mm-hmm. big bucks. He yes. took a big percentage yes. of what was remaining, but he handled every detail from the estate, estate sale, the sale of his car, the mm. sale of his house. Uh, and he cut all the checks and we didn't have to worry about that. My dad's wishes were in writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't know from conversation exactly what he would have wanted. Yes. But uh, this neutral third party was able to just say, well, here it is. Nobody needs to get all worked what? up about That's it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and this is just the way it is. And yes. so my dad, I'm sure, paid a premium for that. Mm-hmm. But it did make a difference oh, to no. us. And at the end of the day, can you put a price on a relationship? Mm-hmm. Because so often we think about that out-of-pocket cost, but we don't think about the intangible cost. Mm-hmm. Because if things had not been laid out, you probably have multiple you know, siblings. And when you have that many personalities in the mix, it can get a little yeah, crazy. Yeah, and some of the personalities are with a capital P. Oh. So <laughs> that makes it even more challenging. Yes. So uh, let's talk a little bit about as as we're aging. Uh, we, we we already established it's never too early to start your estate planning, uh, but is it ever too late? What advice, you said your parents are in their 70s and yeah. they just completed theirs. What advice would you give someone who is elderly and hasn't yet put their plan in place? And then talk a little bit about uh, disabilities, and we may need to carry it into the next segment as well. Yes, absolutely. So the question or the answer, is it ever too late? No. And my prime example is a client of mine whom I dearly love. She turned 100 this year. Yes. And started planning two years ago. (laughs) So So she had to live long enough to get to the place where she could plan. (laughs) And it's a wonderful thing that she has really strong genes and her brain functioning is amazing. And at the same time, I would have encouraged her to start the process a lot sooner. So it's never too late, but the earlier you can do it, the better it is. Mm -hmm. Because you don't want to run the risk of someone challenging your documents because they think that you were not in your right mind. And we know that there are plenty of people well into their 90s, even into their 100s, who are as sharp as a tack. Mm -hmm. And there are people in their 60s and their <laughs> 70s who might have some some concerns. So you need to start to start as soon as possible, but it's never too late. And so with my seniors, one of the things that we also have to take into account is how who's going to take care of them. Mm-hmm. And um, some of them may have family members who are in town, but very often because we're in such this transit um, population, you have my parents are in Florida. I'm here in Colorado. My sister's in New York. So we're all over the map and we have to have a plan in right. place Good. for long term care. So as as we're aging, it's never too late. But considering we may die very healthy. But what if we don't? What if we're disabled? What if we have an extended illness? We'll talk about that when we return. You're listening to Living Well with Dr. Peg. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and my guest today is estate planning attorney and legacy family legacy advisor, Michelle Adams, and we're discussing estate planning, and we'll look at some of the, those issues as we're aging. K-R-K-S. Schools K. 
can no longer afford not to invest in a professional evidence-based advanced safety education training program. It's the single most important decision and investment a school administrator will ever make in their professional career. When all else fails, training and preparation are the only things that will increase your chances of survival in a violent incident such as an active shooter or active terrorism. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training programs tailored to your needs. While there are many basic training programs largely based on opinion and emotion, SSI Guardian is the only advanced training program of its type with an accredited continuing education unit or CEU issued by an accredited university. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training and solutions to learning institutions, faith-based and professional organizations. To learn more, call SSI Guardian today at 877-878-5800 or visit guardianprotect.com. To learn more about living well with Dr. Pegg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Welcome back, everyone. I'm psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and you're listening to Living Well with Dr. Pegg. We're talking with estate planning attorney and family legacy advisor, Michelle Adams, and you can learn more about the law office of Michelle Adams at coloradofamilylegacy.com. And you know, Michelle, you may not recall, but I started my estate plan with you. You gave me all the templates. I filled them all out, and they were all set to be faxed back to you and made official. And then I don't know what happened. We were talking about procrastination. And meanwhile, I got remarried. My children are now 21. So my plan is really different now from when I first filled out those templates. So I'm going to be going to Colorado, <laughs> le- <laughs> call, call me. Colorado <laughs> family legacy.com and make an appointment there. Well, and you make a really good point because so often we think that, okay, once we have our documents done, they're done, yes. but you could see that life changes and it's a constantly evolving process. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So we were talking about as we age and, um, uh, it's never too late, uh, but being mindful of my goal is to die healthy, Yes, you know, at a yes. hundred, yes. you know, uh, one day I'm up and about, I go to sleep and then I'm home with the Lord. Amen. Uh, but that isn't the case for everyone. And so, for example, my mom is 87 years old. She's in fairly good health. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord. She lives with my sister. Um, but what does my adult sister need to know to help uh, plan? Because she's the one right there, and certainly I'm learning as I'm listening to you. So as we're aging, if, if my one of my listeners is the elderly adult who's got some chronic illnesses, what do they need to know, and what do the parents, excuse, the uh, adult children of elderly parents need to know? I think the biggest thing, and it sounds as if you and your sister have a great plan mapped out where she's the caregiver for your mom. So often, though, illnesses can creep up on us, happen unexpectedly, Mm -hmm. and then there has been no plan put in place. So as you mentioned before about these conversations that we continue to have, it's an ongoing process. So we have to make sure, especially if you have siblings who might live in separate places, that there is an agreement as to if this happens, who's going to be able to step in and support mom or dad? And so often that can be uh, fraught with Mm. Just those sibling dynamics Mm -hmm. where there could be resentment or there could be a lack of appreciation. So to be honest and forthright about what you're able to do and what you're not able to do. And what I've observed with siblings, there tends to be 
when there's multiple siblings, there always tends to be one who kind of rises to yes, the occasion the and makes the sacrifices yes. to do it. And I'm so grateful for my sister that um, she's the primary person for my mom. And they're they're out of state. They're not here in Colorado. Yes. And so having that plan in place, uh, this is what I'm capable of because there are resentments and there are expectations mm. if you don't make them explicit. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let's talk about then the other end of the spectrum, parents of young children, yes. as opposed to adult children of elderly parents. What about parents of very young children? And we talked already just briefly about the, the need for uh, establishing a guardian mm-hmm. for your children. But what are some things that people should know when considering who is the appropriate guardian? So, you know, so often we focus on seniors in terms of estate planning, but I really highly encourage my parents of young children to make this a priority because if something happens to you, God forbid, you want to make sure that you have already made that decision as to who you would want to take care of your children. And make the decision and let them know, right? Don't yes. just make, say, Surprise. that's who I want, yes. but you don't have that conversation <laughs> with movie the potential that. guardian. <laughs> yeah, that's the plot of many yes. movies. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so to be intentional and yes, to talk to that individual. And you know what I remind parents is that, look, no one will take your place. No one can be you, but who would be the next best you? You know, we know that they're not going to be as saintly as you are, (laughs) but who else could you look at? And look at people who share perhaps the same values that you do, whether they're religious values, whether they are values about how you want to bring up your children. And sometimes people will look at individuals based on their financial situation, While I understand why that could be a consideration, it should not be the primary Mm -hmm. one because we know people who have all the wealth in the world, but yet you would not necessarily want them instilling spiritual discipline (laughs) into your young ones. Right. So just taking a look at at it holistically, again, even as you've already established with estate planning in general, it doesn't matter how much money you have. It's just being intentional about your choices and and what are your values that you're passing down. So the same is true for selecting that guardian. It's not just about money. That's correct. Yeah, good. Well, I I have a a friend whose parents used to fly separately when they were children because in the event that they got into a plane crash and died, they didn't want to both be dead. So whenever they traveled, even if it was a family vacation, they would travel separately and then arrive at the destination. Well, so is that taking it to the extreme in terms of, yeah, they're being intentional and they're they're planning, but that that's kind of out there. Yeah, without judging, I would not do that. I, my philosophy is if we're going to die, we're just going to all die together. <laughs> But I can appreciate that being intentional. For a company that I used to work for, they would say the same thing. We all couldn't fly on the same flight for the same morbid kind of reasons. We don't want to lose the whole department on a flight. But again, that's that same idea of if I talk about it, I'm going to, it's going to make me die. That's right. If if we, the the company is saying, hey, this is a reality. My my old department chair, when I was teaching psychology, used to say, you know, if you you could get hit by a truck tomorrow, just make sure we know where we can find your grades. They're all about succession come planning. Up tomorrow with or without you, <laughs> but where right. are your grades? <laughs> That's all your students care about. That's right. <laughs> so let's talk of speaking of uh, college students. Yes. Uh, I take every opportunity to say I am the proud parent of oh. two college graduates. Congratulations. My, my twins are 21. Thank you. And they're now living on their own in Chicago and Atlanta. What advice do you have for parents of young adults such as myself or 
um, parents of high schoolers mm-hmm. uh, who may, that's certainly not too soon to be planning because once they turn 18, that's it. Yeah. Or just my, my, my children in general as yeah. young adults just starting their career, young adults who may be uh, having a family in the next couple of years. What kind of advice can you give for sure. that age range? So starting first with the 18-year-olds, again, consider putting a plan in place for them. And so for my clients who have college-age students, I automatically prepare documents for their finances and for their medical uh, for those children Mm -hmm. because we just want to make sure we're covering all the bases. So 18 years old, you need to get that done. For the 20, 21-year-old, where now they're out of school, no longer under the purview of mom or dad, and they're charting out their own course, I would say, again, at a very bare minimum, Get those financial and medical documents in place. Now, if you own property, some young Mm -hmm. people do, then you want to have a will. But if you're not there yet, but perhaps you have a pet. I don't know if either one of your children, but that seems to be the thing to do Mm -hmm. now for young people to get these uh, to get a pet of some sort. Then you want to make sure that you're making a plan as to who would take care of that pet in your demise. And the place to do that would be in a will. Mm -hmm. And again, there may be some young entrepreneurs who have businesses. And and one thing um, that, that you shared with me previously was a plan for our sensitive documents. So there might be listeners who are doctors, who are therapists, who are lawyers, people who have other individuals' personal information and records. Uh, is that part of the plan planning process as well? Yes, and especially for those of us in those professions that you mentioned, because typically we're probably a one-person shop. And for those individuals, it's really helpful to make sure that you partner with someone else in that profession so that if something should happen to myself, then I have a backup, in my case, attorney, who would be able to take a look at those documents and dispose and handle them accordingly. And I would say the same thing for other professions where it's really based on our knowledge, our head knowledge as opposed to some of the, the tangible things if I owned a different sort of business. But really quickly, you mentioned business owners, and there are so many young people who own businesses now, and they absolutely need to decide or to figure out what's their succession plan. If something were to happen to them, who's going to take over in the event that they can't handle that business anymore? And we don't want to think about it. I was just meeting with someone about disability planning, but I know that I need to do it. I don't have an employer who's going to pay for that. So I need to make the steps to make sure I have those resources available if something should happen to me. Mm -hmm. So disability insurance is probably important for everyone, but especially the self-employed business owner, entrepreneur of of any age. Exactly. Because again, we we really aren't thinking about death. We're certainly not thinking about being injured. That's right. And incapacitated, disabled at a young age. And the likelihood of that happening is really high. Mm. So I believe the one stat I saw was that 33% of individuals under the age of 35 um, will have some type of form of disability in their lifetime. And that could be getting hit by a car or something else. It's not necessarily a lifelong or permanent, but it is something that can take you out of the game for a period of months. So my department chair was right. He always said, you could get hit by a truck. That's right. Just make sure we know where your grades are. (laughs) (laughs) So there's so many uh, areas that we have to uh, plan around and be intentional about and it can be overwhelming and that why that's why it is important to have a professional who specializes in this and can guide you that's right that's what i'm here for so you're not in this thing alone someone's here to guide you and when i mentioned my client said oh you made this process fun they were truly because they were stressed out mm-hmm. about it and 
you know, my personality is not one that's super serious and I want to make sure that people don't become so overwhelmed and that I am not a contributing factor to why they're right, overwhelmed. Right, right. Yes. You at least want to uh, help them calm down, not make them more uptight. Exactly. Well, Michelle Adams, thank you for sharing your expertise with us today. God bless you. Bless Listeners, you. you can learn more about the law office of Michelle Adams at coloradofamilylegacy.com. This episode of Living Well with Dr. Pegg was brought to you by SSI Guardian. If you'd like to learn more about the show, our sponsor, visit drpegradio.com. That's D-R-P-E-G radio.com. And until next week, I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark reminding you to live well. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Living Well with Dr. Pegg. Living Well with Dr. Pegg is brought to you by SSI Guardian, who has set the new standard in advanced safety education. If you'd like to learn more about the show, our sponsor, or mental health consulting and publishing services, visit www.drpegradio.com. Remember to join us every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 94.7 KRKS-FM for Living Well with Dr. Pegg.